Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode. And today we're going to be talking about something that is very important. But before we get started, let's say a word of prayer so the Lord will be with us as we talk and learn of Him. With that, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for giving us your life for ours. Lord, we ask that you fill us with your Spirit. Help us to be more like you. Help us to thirst after truth. Help us to want to drink of the waters of life. Help us to be there for others and help them to see how good and how pleasant it is to behold your lovely face. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the truth. Help us to give up all for you like you gave up all for us. We ask all these things in your precious, holy, wonderful son's name. Amen. We know that it is important to drink water. We discussed that in a previous podcast. And that is why this week I wanted to talk about the spiritual aspect of water. Christ gives us many examples in the Bible about water. In fact, in John 4, 10 through 14, he says, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This living water is something that we all want and something that Jesus offers to every single one of us. We just have to be willing to drink that water. And we'll get into that more later. But in Revelation 21, 6, it says, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. This is a free gift that God gives to us. And it is an amazing gift. And we can only be grateful and thankful for that water that will make us never thirst again. Many people are searching in this world for truth, and God gives us his salvation, his love for free. In Revelation 22, 1, it says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. This water of life is spoken of again and again, and it is a wonderful thing that we can get a taste of here on this earth and know what it is. And the more that we take of it, the more that we will know how much of a blessing it is. Revelation 22, 17 says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. We have all of these verses telling us that we need to drink of this water of life and that the Lord gave us this water of life for a reason to parch our thirsty souls. We too often in our lives are searching for all of what the world can satisfy us with when in reality only the Lord can satisfy us. Fill that hole in us that is searching for truth, for 
love, for acceptance, for whatever it is that we are searching for. We try to fill up those gaps and those holes in our lives with entertainment, with food, with friends and family, with doing a lot of things that we probably shouldn't be doing. We don't have to do those things. We can get it from a better source, a right source. We can drink from the river of life. We can drink from Jesus and never be thirsty again. And that is the message that he portrayed to the woman at the well. And Jesus said that we should drink of this water freely. And if we do, we won't be thirsty for all of what the world has to offer, all of the fake water that Satan has to offer. And we can be grateful. And in Isaiah 12, 3, it says, therefore you will joyously draw water from the springs of salvation. This is the water that we are talking about, the water of life, which is Jesus, salvation in Jesus, the grace of God, forgiving our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. And Revelation 22, 1 says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him, and they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. We are promised not only that we can drink of this water of life down here, but that we will still have a river of life in heaven. And it is spewing from the throne of God himself. He is giving to us from himself that love and that grace and that abundance that we so clearly need. And we do not realize how much of a gift it is to have that water. And once we have that water, to give that water to other people who are thirsty because this whole world is thirsty, not only for the real water, but they're thirsty for truth. They want to know, they want to hear that somebody made them, somebody loves them, somebody can redeem them for their past wrongs and from all of the troubles that they have in this world, that they don't have to go through it alone. They have a savior that can uphold them and teach them and love them and say, I am there for you. You don't have to be alone anymore. Cling to me and I will be there for you, holding you up and carrying you through the darkest moments of your life. And with that, I want to get into what the Spirit of Prophecy says. In MM, August 1, 1892, paragraph 2, it says, Christ speaks of the gospel of our salvation as the water of life. He uses water, which is essential for our life, as an emblem by which to typify the truth. Should water be withheld from the world for even one day, what a state of wretchedness would result. Should it be withheld for a longer time, a cry of indescribable misery would wail forth from the suffering inhabitants of earth. But the salvation of Christ is the water of life, essential for the health and life of the soul. And how much more terrible is the result of withholding it from men than the consequence of depriving them of water for a season. Many are perishing for the water of life. The loss of natural life is lamentable, but how does the loss of natural life compare with the loss of the life that measures with the life of God? How terrible it is to contemplate eternal loss and how terrible indeed it is when we think about these things and when we do contemplate on us, it should 
make us very afraid to lose out on eternal life. We have such a work to do. We have to have this water of life in us, this truth in us. We can drink of it freely. We do not have to be without this life-giving source of truth, this life-giving water that draws us closer to Christ. And we must think very carefully about the things that we are doing in our lives and the things that we are portraying to others as well. We want people to see Jesus in us. We must be not only drinking of the water, but be a fountain for others so that they can see us and want to drink of the water of life that is Christ. In RH February 7th, 1957, paragraph 25 and 26, it says this, many people are the subjects of impressions which are not liable. Many have what they think are good impressions, wonderful exaltation of feeling, but the life does not represent an abiding Christ. They do not draw life from the source of all life. They are not drinking of the living water, which springs up into eternal life. God's grace is the living water of which we must drink. It quickens the whole being into spiritual life, the life of the Son of God. Personal religion means perfect conforming to the life of Christ. When we possess this religion, we shall show sound spiritual growth because we are partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Advance is the watchword. There are no idlers in the Lord's vineyard. We must be laborers together with God, else we shall fail in the work of overcoming, and our irreligious influence will cause other souls to fail. No soul is lost that does not draw other souls down with it. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from all iniquity, that Christ may not be ashamed of us. Too often we are ashamed of the truth. We don't want to share the truth. We are ashamed of Jesus because we don't want to be looked at as weird and as different. We should feel shame on us for even thinking of that. We should feel shame that we are not wanting to share this truth with everybody that we encounter. We should work so hard so that we are not letting Christ down and so that he is not ashamed of us. That is a horrible thing to know that Christ is ashamed of us and we do shame him every single time that we sin every single time that we are a bad example in front of others every time that we are not living up to what we know is truth and we have such a work to be done we cannot just stand around doing nothing we cannot be idle we must work and we must work together and work with God so that we do not fail and when we fail like it says we bring others down with us because unfortunately people forget to look to Christ as their only example. They look to people and when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing and claim to be Christians, then they look at them and say, see, they're Christians and they're living such a horrible life, so why should I even try? Or they're Christians and they treat me so mean, so if that is what Christianity is like, then I want no part of it. And that's just wrong because we are human and we do make mistakes, but we should ever be trying, of course, to improve our characters, improve how we handle things, improve how we speak and how we act and all of those things because we do want to be a good example so that when people see us, they say, you know what? That person is really unique, is special. There's something about them. I can't quite put a, my finger on it, but I want what they have. I am thirsty for what they have. I want to 
have this experience where they are kind and loving and gentle and they treat people well. This is the kind of example that we need to give to people. This is the kind of example that we need to set, the kind of standards that we need to have. And it takes work, hard work together with Christ, working together to be laborers together with God so that we can overcome sin. In 17 MR 43.3, she says, Christ said to the Samaritan woman, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up and into everlasting life. Thus is presented the experience of the thankful heart. It continues overflows and blessings to others. So not only do we need that water in us, but we need to let it overflow and be a blessing to others. We need to share with others, tell others how they can also gain access to this water of life that makes us never thirst again. I mean, we all know how it's like to feel thirsty at one point in time in our life, whether we couldn't get to drink for a few hours or for longer than that and we really are craving something to quench that thirst but imagine never having to be thirsty ever again we wouldn't have to worry about any of that and Christ offers that for us but we have to daily drink of this water of life that he offers us we have to drink of him to learn of him to grow in him this is not just a one and done experience we have to continually partake in him and be together working together with him in order to have the victory 17 MR 44.4 says to refuse to obey the requirements of Christ to fail to devote every capability to his service is to rob God. He, our Lord and Savior, calls for the cooperation of every human agency. As they strive to do good and be good, they will be successful in their work of reconciling man to God through Jesus Christ unto all the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Christianity is not a half-and-half half work, a service of God and mammon, but a full conversion to God. Christians have an understanding of spiritual things which unites them with Christ and with one another in love. There is no undecided work about true conversion. It is the work of the Holy Spirit upon human character. This is why we must work so hard so that we are fully devoted to God. We can't just put half in and half out. That's not really fully surrendering ourselves to Christ. That isn't working at our salvation with fear and trembling. That isn't showing love to God or love of God to others. We don't go around in our working schedule and attempt to do the job in a lazy manner. If we only did half of our job, pretty soon we would get fired from our job. We have to work as if it is a real job. It is not just a job that is come and go. This is our salvation on the line. This is our soul that is at risk if we do not do and have a full conversion to God. In Bible Echo, July 1st, 1892, paragraph 6 and 7, 
It says, the great lack among us is the want of love. But any soul that comes hungering and thirsting for the waters of life will have his soul refreshed from the living fountain. When you thirst, you will hear the voice calling. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And when we have tasted of the waters of life, we shall be constrained by the love of Christ to say to others, come. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When we drink from the waters ourselves, we shall echo the cry, Come, whosoever will, let him take of the waters of life freely. Whosoever will, tell me who is excluded from receiving the benefits of this divine invitation. Whosoever will, let him come. All we have to do is to submit the will to God, to place the will on the Lord's side. Come and take the Lord at his word and drink of the water of life freely. If we have Christ abiding with us, we shall be Christians at home as well as abroad. He that is a Christian will have kind words for his relatives and associates. He will be kind, courteous, loving, sympathetic, and will be educating himself for an abode with the family above. He will feel that he is a member of the royal household and that he must represent the kingdom to which he is going. He will speak with gentleness to his children, for he will realize that they too are heirs of God, members of the heavenly family. Among the children of God, no spirit of harshness dwells, for the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. This is something that we should take into consideration because the way that we talk and the way that we act to others is so important. And we need to make a conscientious effort to speak in this gentle, loving, kind way, no matter who we are speaking with, no matter how much they frustrate us, no matter what they do to us, we have to pray and ask the Lord to help us in how we speak and how we respond and how we talk. We need to take of that water and drink the water of life so that we have God in us. We need to submit ourselves to God. And then when we have tasted and we see that the Lord is good, then we will also be telling others about him. We will say, hey, did you know, do you, have you seen Jesus? How lovely he is, how wonderful he is, and tell of his wonderful goodness and what he has done for you in your life and how he has changed you and how he can change them and how he loves them and how he died for them. This is the kind of Christian that we need to be. This is the kind of Christian that the world needs to see. And right now, they aren't seeing that. And while it is so important to show this love and this goodness within us and without us, we have to tell them of the truth. We have to, in love, show them the way out of darkness. Show them that the way that they might be doing things is wrong. In a kind and loving way, we can lead people to the truth. And we have to tell them these things because we do love them, because Christ loves them. That is why he tells us all of all of the things that we should be doing in our lives because he loves us not because he is this hard taskmaster that 
that doesn't care about us and just expects us to obey all of these rules and regulations. No, we obey because we love him, because we want to show him that we love him and that we don't want sin ever to rise up again. That is why no sin is going to be allowed into heaven. And that is why we must work so hard to get it out of our lives and to have that water of life, his life in us, instead of all of the wickedness that Satan likes to throw our way. In ST September 23, 1897, paragraph 13 through 15, it says, The feast was drawing to a close. The morning of the last crowning day found the people wearied from the long season of festivity. Suddenly, Jesus lifted up his voice in tones that rang through the courts of the temple. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. The condition of the people made this appeal very forcible. They had been engaged in a continued scene of pomp and festivity. Their eyes had been dazzled with light and color, and their ears regaled with the richest music. But there had been nothing to meet the wants of the spirit, nothing to satisfy the thirst of the soul for that which perishes not. Jesus invited them to come and drink of the fountain of life, of that which should be in them a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The priests had that morning performed the imposing ceremony which represented the smiting of the rock in the wilderness. That rock was a symbol of him who by his death would cause living streams of salvation to flow to all who are athirst. Christ's words were the water of life. There in the presence of the assembled multitude, he set himself apart to be smitten, that the water of life might flow to the world. In smiting Christ, Satan thought to destroy the prince of life, but from the smitten rock there flowed living water. As Jesus thus spoke to the people, their hearts thrilled with a strange awe, and many were ready to exclaim with the woman of Samaria, Give me of this water that I thirst not. The cry of Christ to the thirsty soul is still going forth, and it appeals to us with even greater power than it did to those who heard it in the temple on the last day of the feast. The fountain is open for all. The weary and exhausted are offered the refreshing draught of eternal life. Christ is still crying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And that is such a wonderful promise that he has given to us. He is begging for us to accept his salvation, to cling unto him, to let go of the world so that we can have this water of life springing up into us so that we can have eternal life and spend eternity with the one who loves us the most. And that is something that we should all be striving for. We need this water in us. This is the kind of water that we cannot do without. The same is in real life. We cannot do without water. If we go without water, we will die. If we go without Jesus, we will eventually die in eternal death. And sad will be that day. There will be many who are weeping and gnashing of teeth. We must get rid of self, which is what SPTA 02A 18.1 says. Selfishness mars all that unconsecrated workers 
do. They have need to pray always, but they do not. They need to watch unto prayer. That they have need to feel the sacredness of the work, but they do not feel this. They handle sacred things as they do common things. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned, and until they can drink of the water of life and Christ be in them as a well of water springing up unto everlasting life, they will refresh no one, bless no one, and except they repent, their candlestick will be removed out of its place. There is need of enduring patience, of invincible charity, of omnipotent faith in the work of saving souls. Self must not be prominent. Wisdom from Christ must be exercised in dealing with human minds. This is very solemn indeed, and we need to take this to heart, and we need to do something about it in our lives in order to change. We need to have this in our lives so that our candlestick does not burn out, so that we don't run dry of the water of life. We need to watch under prayer. We need to work hard. We need to get rid of self. We need to work together with Christ so that we can be a fountain for Christ so that people will see in us this person who has Christ in them and they want to also find out where they can get that living water. In RH June 2, 1903, paragraph 7 through 11, she says this, When there comes from the lips of the sinner the cry, I fear that my sins are too grievous to be forgiven, point to Jesus, saying, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Lead him to look away from himself to the Savior. And the victory is won. He sees for himself the way, the truth, and the life. The Son of Righteousness sheds his bright beams into his heart. The strong tide of redeeming love pours into the parched and thirsty soul. And the sinner is saved to Christ. Christ crucified. Talk it. Pray it. Sing it. And it will break and win hearts. Set formal phrases. The presentation of merely argumentative subjects is productive of little good. The melting love of God in the hearts of the workers will be recognized by those for whom they labor. Souls are thirsting for the water of life. Do not allow them to go from you empty. Reveal the love of Christ to them. Lead them to Jesus and he will give them the bread of life and the water of salvation. In our work, we have an ever-present helper. If we feel our great need and draw near to God, he will draw near to us and will use us as channels through which to communicate the vital energy that will rouse souls from careless indifference and lead them to seek God before it is too late. It is because of the lack of faith that God's people have no more of his power. Earnest living faith is needed. Faith that will take firm hold of the promises made to the followers of Christ. How important it is that God's messengers walk worthy of the truth they present. When they do this, when they are men, also women, of prayer and faith, obedient to the Lord's commands, the Holy Spirit will work through them and the people will be willing in the day of his power. Christ has opened a fountain for the sinful suffering world and the voice of divine mercy is heard, come all ye thirsting souls, come and drink. You may take the water of life freely. Let him that heareth say come, and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Let every soul, men as well as women, sound the message. Then the truth for this time will be carried to the waste places of the earth. The word will be fulfilled. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys, and with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. That is powerful indeed. We can have this sense of revival in our souls, this sense of God in us working 
through us. We must not only claim the promises, but then believe that those promises will be fulfilled in our lives. Not only is the world thirsting after Christ, but so are Christians. A lot of Christians have lost their love and their passion for Christ. Not all, but a lot of us have lost that passion that we once had. We often become complacent in our lives. We just lose sight of how important it is to have this connection with Christ, to have this water in our lives, to receive of Him that nourishing water that can make us new, that can cleanse us, and that can then lead others to Christ. We must work daily on ourselves. We cannot become complacent. We cannot just let it pass us by. We must not only have this in us, but then we must share it with others. We must reveal that love of Christ to them. We must lead them and show them how good and how great Jesus really is and how much He has done for them and how much He is still going to do for them. And when people see this change in us, they will notice and they will want it. Those who are sincere, those who really truly want a difference in their lives will be touched by us. That is why it's important for us to go out and do mission work, to go and share in whatever way you feel is going to reach people. Go and help the homeless. Go and help those in need however you can. Go and pass out tracts and literature and give out books and share with them the loving, kind Savior who wants them to come to Him and so that they will never thirst. And that is why I do these podcasts, to not only share the truth with people, but to encourage other people to share the truth and be a light to the world so that we can be lights and shine bright and to get other people to shine bright. And with that, pretty soon the whole world will be light. Not everyone will accept the truth. You will probably get many rejections. People who do not want to accept the truth that you are telling them, who will call you fanatical and judgmental and all sorts of other manner of names who will think you are weird and think that your religion is just something that you use to comfort yourself with so that you don't have (laughs) to feel sad that your life will lead to nothing. But we know the truth. We know that Jesus loves us. We know that he is coming again and that is why we want to share with everybody else because we love them and we want them to be with us and with Jesus forever. We have such a high calling and it is our duty and our honor to share that with others. In 21MR 303.2 it says, Empty the soul temple of all selfishness. Cling with living faith to Jesus. Exert all your tact, all your skill, all your capabilities in resisting the enemy and in coming close to the souls who need help. Diligent, persevering efforts should be made in their behalf. They must be urged to have a care for their own souls. There is fullness for you in Christ. Come to the water of life and drink. Do not keep away and complain of thirst. The water of life is free to all. Spend much time on your knees in prayer. Believe that God hears your prayers and you will see of his salvation. That is a wonderful promise and this is something that we need to do every single day. We need to be diligent. We need to watch. We need to pray and we need to ask for the Savior's help and that is the only way that we will be able to have the victory over sin and Satan. And this is something that is a constant working effort. And that is why the Christian life is a hard one. It is not easy and lackadaisical. We have to work very hard for our salvation. We have to be 
praying continually. That is why Paul said, I pray without ceasing, because he knew just as well as now we know that without that constant connection with God, we will fail and we will fall. But the important thing is that we can rise again. We can go to God. We can ask for forgiveness and we can become new creatures in God and get a new heart. And those are the promises that we have to claim and then believe and move forward knowing that he has fulfilled the promises that he has given to us so long ago. And that is so amazing to even think about. And it is so awesome that God does this and has so much love for us. Many of us would have given up on us by now and said, just let them go about and do whatever they want because they don't care. But no, God gives us chance after chance after chance because he is merciful, he is loving, and he wants us to be with him forever in eternity. In RH December 21, 1886, paragraph 10, it says, we all need the graces of the Spirit of God in the heart. God helps us to seek for this. Do not rest until you have received it. Break the chains of darkness asunder. Come where the living waters flow and drink of salvation. Then if Christ is in you, a well of water springing up into everlasting life, you may water all all that are around you and bring others into the kingdom of God. God grant, oh may God grant that all these souls may be there. Christ has bought you and you cannot afford to be lost. May you in God's strength make your calling and election sure. I could not have said it better myself. She is very clear. We cannot be playing around. We have to make sure that God's strength is in us, that his light and waters in us so that it is shining out and flowing out and that salvation is in us so that we may be in heaven with him. Our souls are at stake and there is a war going on and we know who is going to win that war already. So we have the advantage. We know that Christ is going to win over Satan and we need to make sure that we are on the right side. We need to make sure that our calling in a, an election is sure and time is running out. We don't have time to waste. We have to get our lives ready and I'm preaching to you as well as to me this is for everyone we all have sinned we all have fallen we all have things to overcome and work on and to change but we can do it when we work together with Christ and when we have that water in us we can have everlasting life and that is why I want to leave with this quote this is what we have to look forward to just a glimpse of heaven and it sounds absolutely beyond anything that we could imagine, which is what the Bible tells us. We cannot even imagine the glories to come and how beautiful it is. But here's a description of a little bit of heaven. In LS 67.1, it says this, here we saw the tree of life and the throne of God. Out of the throne came a pure river of water. And on either side of the river was the tree of life. On one side of the river was a trunk of a tree and a trunk on the other side of the river, both of pure transparent gold. At first, I thought I saw two trees. I looked again and saw that they were united at the top as one tree. So it was the tree of life on either side of the river of life. Its branches bowed to the place where we stood. And the fruit was glorious. It looked like gold mixed with silver. That is just something so beautiful. That is something that is just so beautiful to think about. So amazing to comprehend. I mean, we don't have these things nowadays. But to just picture it in our mind, 
minds. It'll be 10 times better than anything that we can imagine. We have this imagery, we have these things that we can think about how it might look and how it might be portrayed, but when we actually see it face to face, it is like nothing that we have ever seen. It's like looking at a picture of nature, but then actually going there and seeing it in person is 10 times more gorgeous and beautiful and awe-inspiring. This is what heaven will be like. We can talk about it, we can think about it as we should, and yet when we finally get there, as let's hope we all make it there, we will be blown away by what is there because it, it is far beyond anything that we could ever see or hope for. And I want to see that river of life. I want to see the tree of life. And I want to, most importantly, see Jesus and be with Jesus and just be in heaven. That is our goal. That is what we all should long for and hope for. I pray that all of you want that as well. Please pray for me as I pray pray for all of you. And now with that, I want to sing this song called Fill My Cup, Lord. Like the woman at the well, I was seeking for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from my well and never will run dry. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. There are millions in this world who are seeking for pleasures earthly goods afford. But none can match the wondrous treasure that I find in Jesus Christ my Lord. Fill my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. So my brother, if the things this world gives you leave hungers that won't pass away, my blessed Lord will come and save you if you my cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me that is exactly what we want. We want our cups to be overflowing with the Lord's love and his salvation and then to share that with others. Remember what it says in Matthew 5 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father which is in heaven. So with all of this being said, let your light so shine so that you are a star witness for the Lord.